All right. Welcome to Catfish on Ice podcast, brought to you by the Hockey Podcast Network. Uh, my name is Colin Bluen. I am one of the three hosts of this podcast. Uh, I'm joined with Chad Minton and Rich Howe. Uh, we're really excited to uh, bring you guys here tonight. As we get into the holiday season, it's a reminder to uh, spread good, good cheer and happiness. And we thought, what better way to do that than talk about the teams that we despise? <laughs> so we're going to get right yeah. into it. Uh, we put a poll out on Twitter. You guys, I think that we'll all have various degrees, you know, various opinions on this. Um, we put out the poll of, you know, what teams do we despise the most uh, within, you know, as, as a franchise. And uh, from the people that played, uh, that took part in that poll, we had the following breakdown. So we had the Penguins at 40.9%, Blackhawks at 36.4%, Stars at 18.2%, and Blues at 4.5%. How are you guys feeling about that? Um, so um, go ahead, Chad. Yeah, so I was going to say I'm kind of not too surprised by the poll results, just because uh, when you got the Penguins, you know, no one can forget the Stanley Cup uh, meeting with them. Uh, I, before the Stanley Cup, you know, Preds fans didn't really care about the Penguins at all. But ever since that Stanley Cup, Stanley Cup meeting, I don't think uh, any Preds fan will ever forget about that and everything that transpired with that. And then, of course, you got the Blackhawks up there. Uh, pretty much the two teams you would expect to be at the top of the hate list. Uh, Colin, were you surprised at all? No, I mean, at all by the uh, top. I'm not. I think the Penguins, especially because it's so fresh on the minds of the fan base, because we, you know, we went through that whole experience. We saw Sidney Crosby get that special treatment when he should have been uh, probably <laughs> probably ejected from the game for smashing PK Subban's head into the ice um, and throwing the water bottle on the ice. But I'm not even gonna. We'll get into that in a little bit. But that didn't really surprise me. Blackhawks seemed right on par. Stars, honestly, I have less hate for the Stars now that they got rid of Corey Perry because Corey Perry. To me, it's just such a, a goon, and I'm gonna try to avoid some language, but man, I just can't stand <laughs> Corey Perry. So I think that that you know, at least they since they got rid of him, yeah, they're in division and they've been doing well, and and you know, we want to be always doing better than them. But I don't have as much hate for them. The Blues, like the thing about the Blues is they're they're you know we we we've had some back and forth with them, but honestly, like before you know before they won a cup, they're probably one of the most starred franchises in terms of how long they've been in the league versus actually not you know winning at all, and so. I've never really had every time I've seen a blues fan at, at Bridgestone or even just, you know, having uh, friends, casual friends that are blues fans, they're always gracious. They don't really, you know, I never, you know, see them rubbing it in. I mean, they're all, you know, they're passionate about glory and all that good stuff, but you know, I've never really like met a blues fan that was just so obnoxious to me that I couldn't stand them. The one that I'm kind of curious about is we obviously with Twitter, you can only do four teams. So, you know, we want three teams in our division and one team that's outside of our division or outside of our uh, conference as well with the Penguins. Um, but I'm curious to see where the Red Wings would, would, would land in this because that's kind of one of the teams I still despise. I think that for me personally, I'll, and we'll kind of go into our personal, you know, who we all personally despise. But for me, the Red Wings, I mean, it's just they're, you know, the hockey purists, but in a snobby kind of way, still very similar to Chicago. Um, I wrote that recent article on Predlines, uh, week three of Predsmiths about the, the Festivus and airing our grievances with uh, other franchises and really – the Red Wings, you know, they, they like to claim that the catfish is an imitation of them throwing the squid on the ice, which is dumb. I mean, at least at least the catfish, like I said, the catfish is native to Tennessee. At least we have that going for us. I've never seen a squid in Detroit, but other than on their, on their ice. But, you know, I, I, I'm excited. That's one thing we'll get into a little bit later about the when we talk about division realignment is the fact that we have to play them again just because I love sticking to their fans. And there are always so many in, in Bridgestone and 
For those that don't know, a lot of it's because a lot of Red Wings fans were relocated to Tennessee uh, when the Saturn plant, later on the GM plant, was put in uh, Spring Hill. And so, you know, you got a lot of Red Wings fans as it is in the state. Um, they always try to pack the arena, but the, the product they've been putting on the ice lately has been crap. So it just makes me laugh because it's <laughs> like you, you spend all that money to watch your team get knocked around. By all means, if that's how you want to spend your money, go for it. But um, now the Blackhawks have a special uh, a special place in – I wouldn't say my heart because they don't deserve to be there, but uh, I especially loved hating the Blackhawks. Uh, the very first meme I created, and Chad, if you want to go ahead and throw that up on the screen, but the very first meme I created was after the uh, 27 Cup or 2017 uh, Stanley Cup playoffs uh, when we got to uh, sweep <laughs> the Blackhawks. And especially, I mean, we just we ate Corey, Corey Perry, or Corey, uh, Crawford's lunch. I mean, it was just, it was so sublime to, to just be able to say, oh, they're the number one seed overall, President's Trophy winners. And we swept them for for no nobody counted us in that series, and, and to not only do that but to do it against a division rival, I mean it was just awesome. Uh, one of the um, the pieces I wrote recently along the lines as well uh, was about the holiday villains and comparing Patrick Lane uh, or Patrick Lane and uh, Jonathan Taves to the Wet Bandits because in that situation. Nobody, nobody counted us out, right? Like if you're Macaulay Culkin as an eight-year-old, you're not. Nobody's going to put you up against the two grown adults and think you're going to come out on top. And yet we did. And we, I mean, we not only did we do that, but we just beat the snot out of them. So one of my all-time favorite Preds moments: Game Four, being able to seal the deal, go out at four and four zero, bounce them from the playoffs after they had such a great season. That was that still is one of my all-time favorite Preds memories. But uh, though that's that's my most despised team is the Blackhawks. Very close second, I would say that's. That's my 1A. My 1B is probably the Red Wings. But where do you guys stand? Who are your uh, most despised teams? So I've got a <clears throat> – I guess I like looking for the good in all the teams, and I just enjoy watching hockey. So it's like, yeah, I mean, we all hate Corey Perry, and we know we do. <laughs> but but uh, like you said, we – I really don't have that much of a problem with Dallas. You know, I like, I like most of the players, you know, Sagan and uh, Qdobin and those guys. And then the same thing with the Blackhawks. It's like, I respect Kane. I respect all those guys. And even though, you know, Rene does have Chicago's number, which is very pleasing, (laughs) but there is, there's, there is one team that I really despise. And unfortunately it wasn't very high on our list. And that's the St. Louis Blues. It's the Blues. Blues. Yes. So like you said about being goons, I would consider the whole team, a bunch of goons. (laughs) Yeah. So it really really feel right. I know. Right. So, so like the worst part was obviously when Victor Arvidsson got hurt, Batuzo knocked him down. And what really, really ticked me off the worst was as Arvidsson was trying to get up, Jordan Bennington took his stick and just smashed it down in the back of Arvidsson's back. And at that point, I was just can't have it anymore. And like Patrick Maroon, I mean, I know he's not with him anymore, but I just, I, I don't know. I just, ever since that time, I always try to look for the good in a team, but I just can't do it with them. That's fair. That's fair. I mean, Peter, Peter, Peter Angelo, there we go. Jeez, yeah. that was a, a mouthful. Uh, and he had our, he's had our number, especially when we give him power play opportunities. I mean, that guy just kills us. Right. So from that standpoint, you know, especially the fact that, I mean, there is some jealousy there because they did win the cup. I mean, I, I hate him for that much, but at the same time, you know, I get it. Especially like, you know, when you, when you got some dirty players, it's just never, 
it's it's hard to like anybody that plays that style right. of hockey. And that's uh, that, that's the other thing. That's another thing about it is like we all have those dirty players that we can't stand, but the majority of them, except for probably like Corey Perry, we would probably welcome them with open arms into Nashville, and then, <laughs> you know, so we would probably just like like if I know like everybody hates Brad Marchand, but they don't all take him in a heartbeat probably on their team. Cause he's just that good. But like I said, I, I don't think Perry would go over well in Nashville. So. Oh gosh, no. I, uh, so the, um, yeah. So the Preds, how about the Preds last season? They had some, some bad luck with some of these teams we're mentioning when it comes to like uh, injuries and like you're talking about, let's, let's get into the winter classic talking about Corey Perry um, that's still fresh on everyone's mind like it happened last week. Uh, you know, that that Winter Classic opened up and the Preds were cruising along. You know, obviously a huge stage. And, um, I mean, I was like – I remember when that game started and it was on NBC. Players were walking out into the Cotton Bowl and it was like the incredible. Yeah. Incredible it stuff. Great. And it was just like – you know, at that time the Preds were playing awful hockey. So it was like – but the enthusiasm was still there, and the Preds opened up. You know, score, you know, playing great. Honestly, they they took mm-hmm. the early lead, and they got that five on three and, and all that good stuff. And uh, the injury happened. Corey Perry got ejected. <laughs> I remember we were all like tagging hands. We were like, "Corey Perry's out of the game. See you later. Don't let the door hit you on the way out." That's you right. know, and. We know how that game ended. It ended poorly. And, uh, you know, the Dallas Stars in their own right are a good team. But I think ever since the Winter Classic and obviously the first-round playoff exit, uh, the Dallas Stars are suddenly right up there with the Blackhawks and the Penguins as being a team that we despise. And so, for me, nothing's going to top the Penguins as far as teams that I that I can't uh, stand just because of – the Stanley cup and, you know, it went six games and you look back on history books and it's always going to be the Preds got beaten six games. They went up against a Sidney Crosby, you know, team that has a ton of other stars on it as well. Surrounding him. Like as much as you hate the team, that was a great team assembled around him. But that series had a lot of turning points that did not go the Preds favor. Uh, that game could have that series could have easily gone seven games. Uh, you know, game one, you know, they called that offsides call that uh, wiped away the Preds going up one zero in the f- game one. Now, yeah. Now I'm not going to sit here and say that <laughs> if that call doesn't happen, the Preds win the series. I'm not going to be that biased and, and be that guy. But that series was a lot closer than the six games that it ended in uh, indicates. And so unless you actually watch that series or unless you actually ask a an objective Penguins fan, and I actually have a good friend of mine who's a Penguins fan, and hook a lie detector test up to him, and he's going to tell you that that series was close and he was worried about the Preds in that series. I agree so, with that. Yeah, I, so I the, think – So the Penguins – Well, the Penguins top my list. Well, the Penguins top my list. Easy. Sorry to cut you off, Colin. But the Penguins, Penguins top my list. Blackhawks are a close second, even though the Blackhawks have faded and they're not as good of a team as, as you know they were. Here's the thing about the Blackhawks, and I wrote this down because, honestly, I couldn't believe this when I saw it. Um, 
for a good decade up until 2007, the Blackhawks didn't even get 80 points in a regular season. Like, they're a storied franchise. You know, they have a ton of great history. They go back into, you know, over a century, they go back. So, great history, obviously. But to compare the Preds to the Blackhawks, when it, you know, they always like to bring up, well, how many Cubs have you won? That's every yeah. classic hockey fan of those franchises. Red, Red Wings fans do it too. Well, how many – that's their number one argument they bring up to you when you try to argue hockey with them. How many Cubs have you won? Um, well, we haven't been around since around when the Titanic sank. So, <laughs> I, would, I, would hope, I would hope – I would hope that they'd win a couple, you know, since yeah. they've been around. Since exactly. The you so, think they'd so, win like a whole bunch. Yeah. Well, at the so, same time, like, yeah, I think like you can ask him now, the rebuttal argument is how many playoff games have you won since 2010? <laughs> I mean, we've exactly. got them in that in spades. That's true. So please, please forgive us Predators fans and the Predators franchise for not winning a ton of cups, you know, since we've barely been around since Y2K. So, um, right. So that's kind of my, my disdain for the for the Blackhawks. That's kind of where that's embedded in is you guys really haven't done that much. You had that little mini dynasty. We'll give you that. It, it took it took you long enough to get back to that. But now they're you know they're not on my top of my radar. The Dallas Stars are quickly rising. Uh, we brought you guys brought up the Blues. The Blues are an annoying team, and yes, they won the cup and uh, they finally got that that Stanley Cup. But I really can't put them in my top three just because. I still kind of consider them one of us, even though they did, do have that cup, and so that does obviously set them apart. You know, geographically speaking, you know, close franchises. I've met a lot of their fans, and they're uh, before they won the cup, they were just fans just like us, and right. so uh, right. just you know, wanting to see their team. And so they they finally broke through and won a cup. So I can't really put them in that top three for me. Well, I left off. I left off one more person. I forgot. This might change your mind. I don't know. David Perron, does that do anything? Oh, yeah. We know all about He is like He is like somebody's annoying little brother. I don't know. I just like – Yeah. I mean, he is an agitator, but I guess, once again, he's one of those guys that you'd love to have him on your team because he does his job well. But I just – when he's playing for them, man, I just can't – I can't do it. So That's fair. That's fair. No, I think – for me, and going back to kind of the Penguins piece too, like you think about that 2017 series and the injuries we had with Ryan Johansson and Kevin Fiala both being out. I mean, the fact that we pushed them to that many, you know, to six games, and those games, like you said, were closer than what it might look like on paper. If we had had those two, it might even be a different story because they were playing lights out hockey, you know, in, in the playoffs before both of them got injured. So that, that's one kind of piece I think about of, is that they had, you know, arguably an easier route. Granted, Ottawa took them, you know, Ottawa made it challenging for them, but that Ottawa team was nothing overly special in that year. So it's kind of like, yeah, they had they had a slightly tough road, but it nearly it wasn't nearly as tough as the Predators. The Predators had to go in as an eighth seed and go through that gauntlet, and then you know get to arguably one of the most stacked teams when you look at how many scores the Penguins had. But I've got friends that are Penguins fans; they're very much in line with the Blackhawks fans of you know, how many cups do you have. Uh, and especially like they like to put salt in that fresh wound in 2017. That's super annoying. So I can, I can definitely see that. Um, you know, for me, I would say probably Blackhawks, Red Wings, and then Penguins in that order. Um, and, and the stars are getting up there definitely, especially because they're just, they're a contender. Like you gotta, you know, you don't dislike someone if you respect, as long as if, if you don't respect them. And so I respect the stars, but that means I dislike them that much more just because I know they're competitive. 
uh, same thing with the Blues. I mean, I, I think more of it's the jealousy plus, like that, like Rich said, the goon factor of like the fact that they just have some guys on their team that are just there's a bunch of jerks in a lot of ways. So that kind of does it for me. But you know, I, I think that there's there there might be I mean, who else could you guys think of that could be a potential rival? I know that I mentioned in the the prevalence piece, like the Coyotes are kind of coming up there, but at the same mm-hmm. time, like, they're not always consistent enough to really like be a rival just yet. Like 2012 happened, yeah. and that was frustrating, and then last year happened, that was frustrating, but that time in between, it seems like they always kind of have our number in the regular season anyways, too. But as far as like an NHL team that's in contention or really that is, you know, going to be a playoff threat, they, they struggle to be consistent in that regard. I mean, part of it's, you know, they change coaches and GMs, like they change underwear. Uh, but, you know, it kind of just depends on, you know, the year of what kind of Cody's team you're going to get. But like I said, they've had our numbers. So they're kind of one of those teams that's a, a fringe, you know, team I dislike. I don't want to. I'm, I'm from Arizona originally. So it's like, I don't want to dislike them, but they're kind of annoying at, at this point, uh, just because every time that we've had a, a good opportunity, except for 2017, um, you know, if it wasn't for 2012, if it wasn't for them, we could have, you so, know, made a run. So, uh, so Colin, uh, it's interesting you bring that up because the Preds have notoriously had, re- had a reputation of playing up to their competition and playing down to their competition. I can, you know, I don't have the numbers in front of me. I don't have the head-to-head records exactly, but I can tell you that uh, the Preds have historically performed really well against teams like the Tampa Bay Lightning, but then they struggle against teams in certain seasons who aren't very good in the standings. Uh, just take this last season, for instance. You know, they dropped a game to the Red Wings. They uh, struggled against other teams that weren't that good in the standings at the time. You know, they lost to the Blackhawks. They got beat by the Blackhawks bad at one in one game this past season. So uh, when it comes to the, you know, the Arizona Coyotes, they're, they, you know, like they're one of those teams where it's like you don't really overlook them and definitely not after the Stanley Cup qualifiers. But I do think that a lot of fans were overlooking them in the Stanley Cup qualifiers. I was not one of those fans. I was going into the qualifiers thinking we should beat them. On paper, we should beat them, but there's a lot of games we've lost that we should have won on paper this year. So, I, as much as it is, it sucked to lose in the Stanley Cup qualifiers and not even make it out of out of that round. I, I really wasn't that surprised by it. So, the Coyotes are one of those teams where it's like, you know, they hang around. They're always a French playoff team, but to put to put a team on my pedestal of teams, I can't I can't stand. I need a team that has a really rabid fan base. And every time I see a Coyotes home game, it's like half full, you know? And that's not a stab at Arizona fans because there's a lot to do out there. And, you know, like I've never lived in Arizona, so I'm not going to, you know, pretend like I know all the things that there is to do out there. There might be more to do, but I'm just going off what I see on TV. And no, you're, you're, you're right to say that. I mean, yeah, yeah I think, or it's like the, the arena is in the middle. It's literally in the middle of the desert because people think, oh, like Arizona Coyotes, they must play in you know, downtown Phoenix. No, it's about yeah. 45 minutes outside of downtown Phoenix. So, to, yeah. And then honestly, I mean, you're trying to grow hockey in the desert. I think, you know, for all intents and purposes, they've done a decent job of that. But it's kind of like the, I think about like the San Jose Sharks. Like they're, they're, their fans don't show up till the second period usually, right? Because they're in LA or they're, you know, San yeah. Jose. They, they have to get through all the traffic to even get to the game. So I kind of think of it like that. But there is one team that I feel it feels almost kind of personal uh, for me. But and there, it's another Central Division team, but it's the Winnipeg Jets. And part of it is the 2018 mm-hmm. playoffs. Uh, I think part of it for me is that they kind of held up a mirror to us and showed us our flaws. 
And one of the big ones is the lack of physicality. I mean, that's kind of why we brought Bart Brian uh, Boylan because we needed the physicality. Like we were, we were a finesse team that could not beat anybody off the boards and players like Buffington and line, a could beat us off the boards and, you know, they could t- easily take away the puck and transition, uh, push us off the puck. They pushed us around. And, and, you know, for me, that kind of, it wasn't, it's not been consistent enough where like I despise them yet, but at the same time, like it was fresh enough that that's one of the teams I really disliked just because they showed us how, far away from the kind of smashville hockey we've gotten. And I think we're going to get back to that with, you know, Barwecki and a bunch of the other acquisitions we've had. But uh, it, it was frustrating to go through that process. And, and even, you know, we, when we played them in the regular season, they've been a frustrating team for us just because they're a bigger team than us. They're not necessarily more, you know, a finesse team. Uh, they do have a good goaltender. I'll give them that. Uh, but, you know, it, it's been more the frustration of the fact that we can't outmuscle them, and that's what we should be able to do as Smashville, or at least be chirpy with them, at least, you know, put up a good fight against them. So that's kind of another team that's a fringe for me, a fringe team I despise. I don't really despise them yet. Uh, give it a year or two, maybe I could, but uh, they're, they're definitely on my radar. Rich, do you have anybody else that you've kind of thought of that might be like a fringe team, not quite fully despised just yet? But- uh, well, once again, it's not it's not really a whole team. It's more players for me, and like <laughs> – it, both of the Tachucks, man, I can't really don't like <laughs> those dudes either. <laughs> I, I hate to be that way, but I just, man, I don't know. I know, I know that sports figures, you know, they have egos, I guess, but those, those guys, man, they're just, both of those guys just seem like the ego so, just drifted uh, them. And they're Canada's problem this year, man. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Right. yeah. So, so Rich and Colin, did you guys see the, uh, the tweet that uh, uh, that was put out of the it was like the the it was basically a video of two guys flicking each other's up, flicking each other off in the street, and they just keep like throwing the middle finger up. I did see that. <laughs> it, I did see that. Is a uh, yeah. It's just like that's perfect. Like during this, like that's something that like these new divisions were, which we're about to get into. Uh, like it's going to create like all these new rivalries, new intrigues. It's like, wow, like it's going to be by accident, maybe because no one planned on this. But yeah, I'm curious. Yeah. To see, I'm curious. I'm curious to see if we get our first like brother on brother, you know, dropping of the gloves and throwing some fists. I bet but, you will. I bet you will because I mean, uh, would that be a, would that be a first? Have, have brothers? That's a good like. I don't know. Day. I'm sure it's happening at some point. I don't know. So like you know, our division, we're going to be playing those guys eight different times, but. The Canadian teams are going to be playing each other nine or ten times. So, did, uh, did you guys did you guys see kind of like how? So they're already kind of rumbling about how we're going to see two, three, and even a four game set in this schedule against the same team. Uh, like they're already kind of like leaked some drafts on on what the schedule is going to look like, and of course you're going to play all interdivision games. Uh, so. You know, this kind of links into our talk about teams we can't stand the most. And so in our and you know, in our in our new division, you know, we got the Red Wings and all that and all that stuff. So it's gonna really reignite the teams we can't stand the most, you know. I'm excited. That's one of the things that, that's kind of nice about it. I almost you know, when they were talking about like the the realignment, we'll kind of get into that in here in a second. But when we were talking about the, the possibility of adding the Penguins in. It was like, cool, we get a rivalry that we can really kind of you know nourish a little bit. But yeah. that is a good segue. Let's get into uh, the division realignment. Chad, I know you're going to lead us through that conversation. Or not, sorry, sorry, not Chad. Rich, I know you're going to lead us through that one. <laughs> yeah. So before we talk about the central, I just wanted to like, I know we know that they had to realign the divisions because of the travel. They don't want people getting exposed to COVID. 
And the, before we talk about our, like the central, I wanted to ask you guys about the Canadian division, because you know that the Canadian government has basically the whole country in a lockdown. And some of those teams, they don't even know if they're even going to be able to play in their own arenas at all. So, and I know there was talk about bringing them uh, to the United States to play. So like, what do you guys think? Do you think that they'll get moved to the United States? I mean, honestly, for me, like hockey is so big to Canada as its national sport, but also its economy, um, just from the, the broadcasting aspect of it. I I almost look at it like the similar way they did the bubbles in which they had to get, you know, the waivers approved. I, I just find it hard to believe. I mean, granted, Canada's done a pretty good job of responding to the virus, probably a little bit more, you know, stringent than some countries. But I find it hard to believe that Canada is not going to find a way to get some sort of waivers that these teams can play. I mean, you know, granted, it's going to be a similar bubble atmosphere, um, you know, with as far as the protocols they have, they're going to be very strict on those. I know the NHL is still ironing those out, but there's been enough other major franchises to do it to show that it works or that it can work. Um, that hopefully it gives them a good argument with, you know, Canada's government to let them, you know, continue to play in the arenas, especially if the arenas aren't full of anybody else other than, right. you know, the, the essential staff that you need, people that, you know, Zamboni drivers and so on. But, Beyond that, like, I, I just find it hard to believe that Canada is not going to, you know, let that happen and make an exception for that case. I mean, granted, there are probably arenas where they could play uh, in the U.S., but then it makes it a question of, you know, when Canada eases up those restrictions, usually to get back into the country, you have to do like a two-week quarantine once you get mm -hmm. back. And so is it going to be like a two-week, you know, almost all, like uh, a super all-star break at that point uh, to let the Canada teams kind of, you know, take some, 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 you know, some time? And then at that point, the NHL's time went enough because they're trying to get to the playoffs by what? Uh, is it May or the March? I think it was the end of May was they're the last saying, game. So they're saying that the uh, they want to wrap up the season by May eighth. That's the current timeline. Yeah. Oh, so, okay. I mean, it's gonna make it's gonna make things tough if they have to you know go to, go to the U.S. play and then quarantine for two weeks and can't play hockey. Uh, if they want to go back to their home arenas. So, and then it also kind of seems like it's kind of redundant because at that point it's like, well, if they're not going to be playing in Canada, they're going to play in the U.S. Why did you go through the trouble of you know the division realignment? So, yeah, I think. So, I think yeah. Go ahead. Well, I was just going to say so. Some uh, this was from uh, Puckpedia dot uh, Puckpedia, who is I encourage everyone to follow Puckpedia. Uh, we're going to have them on as a guest on a future episode, and uh, they do a great job with salary cap stuff and getting into the all the raw numbers when it comes to stuff like that. All right, so they they kind of put out a 2020-21 uh, uh, transition rule list, and we don't have to get into all the specifics, or we might get into it a little bit later in this episode if we have time, because it's it's very complex and it it takes a lot of really looking at and studying, and you really got to be into the numbers and kind of be geeked out about hockey and all that stuff, like we are. We're all we're all geeked out on hockey, obviously. But um, so yeah, so they said uh, uh, January thirteenth start date, as we all know. And then uh, wrap it. They want the season to end by May eighth, meaning there's uh, 116 days in this season. Normally, there's 186 days. So as we all figured, very condensed, but that kind of puts it into a uh, an easier perspective to to look at. Like, wow, they're really crunching this down in terms of days. Uh, so it's, I mean, it's going to be, it's going to be a wild season to watch. It's going to it's going to be tight, and that's the thing is like, and kind of with that Canada piece, like. You know, with the fact that we're trying to start in January 13th, 13th, that means that they have to start quarantining, you know, really by like, December 29th. I mean, like, yeah. that's, that's the start time for the quarantine. So it's going to be 
I mean, the Canadian Canadian government's going to have to make a decision pretty quick here of whether or not they're going to let them play within, you know, Canada. I just, I find it hard to think that the NHL didn't have, you know, at least discussions initially with the the Canada legislation and and the decision makers. Colin, Colin, I think, I really think that they are kind of doing this on the fly right now. (laughs) I mean, I'm I'm not, I'm not blaming them for that at all. I mean, honestly, I'm not, but uh, this, this, I, it's it's still it's still Gary Batman ran ran NHL so I, yeah, yeah exactly yeah go ahead Rich go ahead oh, I was going to say that maybe maybe the uh, Canadian government will change their tune maybe that's why the NHL said we might just move them all to the United States that might have lit a fire under them a little bit make yeah. them rethink but, what they were going to do but just talking talking pure hockey an all Canadian division is. Yeah. Every fan's dream, right? I mean, yeah. To see these Canadian teams all, because you know, there's those natural rivalries, and hockey is a way bigger deal north of the border than it is in the United States and big parts of the country in the United States, where it's more college football or it's more baseball or it's more basketball. But you know, in Canada, I mean, it's hockey, you know, and this right. is a big deal to them, and so now they're in a division together. I mean. It's going to end up being by accident, but there's going to, you know, I, I put a tweet out about this earlier today. Um, the, it's going to be by accident and, you know, under certain circumstances, obviously no one planned for this, but the intrigue in this season with an all Canada division, I mean, and you've got some really, really elite teams in this Canada division. Vancouver's yes. on the up and up. We know all about Toronto. Uh, you know, Montreal's probably starting off at the bottom in that division. But, I mean, Winnipeg's a team that you can't really put a peg on, but they could have turned out to be really good this season, really solid. I mean, it's – a you know, Ottawa obviously at the bottom. Edmonton, I, I totally agree with you. And I think part of, it, part of it's that, you know, with, the, with Canada, the one gripe I've seen from, like, Canadian fans is that with the, with the vision being set up the way it is, the playoffs being set up the way it is, they can't get as many teams theoretically into the playoffs – you know, Canadian teams, because from a Canadian perspective, they all have their own teams, but they also want to see as many Canadian teams in the playoffs as possible. This lowers those odds because they're all in one division, so they're kind of beating up on each other. But that's been kind of like the one grab I've seen from Canadian fans is, is just that. But you're definitely right. There, a lot of those teams are on the up and up, and even the teams that are sort of, sort of towards the bottom, they can still be competitive in a lot of ways, especially the Canadians and Senators. And then Edmonton, I mean, Edmonton, I mean, they, eventually they got to take the jump, right? Like Edmonton's got to make that next step and, and go on either to, you know, a conference final or something. Like, they've got to do something here soon, I would imagine. Right. I would agree. So let's swing this to the Central, guys. Um, since we've started talking about we first caught wind of this realignment, there aren't, this is the third list of teams that has been released so far that we've heard about. So the first list came out, and, you know, it caused the buzz. That's the one that had Pittsburgh in it, in, in the Central, and everybody was excited about getting to face those guys. So then the second one came out and it took out uh, the Dallas Stars and put in Minnesota. So now our third list is finally out and now we've got Dallas back. So that gives us Carolina, Columbus, Dallas, Detroit, Chicago, Florida, Tampa Bay, and Nashville. So since they've, we have this list now and we, and we can kind of gauge what we're looking at. So my question to be, I guess I'll ask you first, Chad, had they not realigned these divisions and we still had St. Louis and Colorado, 
what do you think the Predators' chances would have been um, going against that division? Well, I mean, I think it's in the end, it's all a wash. I mean, the road to the to the postseason and hockey is brutal. It's grinding. You can lose to anyone. I know that term is overused in sports. Like, you know, in football, they say any given Sunday, all that good stuff. But I think it's true at the most in hockey. Right. And so uh, in the end, I mean, if you're really going to make me choose, I got to say the division got easier for the Preds because I think that the uh, the middle of the division is just – once you take out Tampa and maybe take out Dallas – I think that middle of the division is just really up for grabs. Um, I wouldn't uh, count out – obviously, you got Carolina. You know, if you're mm-hmm. going to ask me the short list right now and I, uh, of how I rank the uh, division just right now, purely unscientific, but just how I see it, you know, obviously I'm going to stick Tampa up there at the top. I'm not going to put Dallas at number two, even though they were the Western Conference champs. I'm actually mm-hmm. going to put Carolina at number two. I'm a, I'm a huge believer in Carolina and their young talent. They've got some great offensive weapons. I think that that's going to be a tough challenge for the Preds. And then I would stick Dallas at number three just because they are the Western Conference champion, champions. And then I'm going to put the Preds at number four, but I'm going to put them right in that cluster of teams with Columbus and, uh, and, with, and with Florida. And, I mean, I mean, I just really think – I mean, obviously Detroit's at the bottom – that's easy to say. That's easy to say. You know, Chicago's, you know, we don't know what to think about Chicago because they have a lot of young talent. Um, we keep thinking, like, are they done with their rebuild and all this stuff? But, you know, I, I would put Florida, uh, the Preds, and Columbus right there in that cluster of teams that, that's going to be battling for that fourth spot behind Dallas, Carolina, and Tampa. That's kind of where I see it. That fourth spot is going to come down maybe to the last game. And so that's why I've always been calling the Preds a fringe playoff team. If they were in the normal Central Division and we were under normal playoff rules with the wild card procedure, my confidence would pro- at this point would probably not be as high in the Preds making the playoffs. So I, I 100% agree with you, Chad. And I think especially when you look at the fact that the Central team has put it – or the Central Division as it was has put it in the most playoff teams out of the Western Conference – you know, that's it's kind of good that we kind of we got where we got in the break. Um, and I mean, realistically, I think the argument's also been made before of like the Preds belong somewhat in the Eastern Conference based on where they are time zone wise and all those other factors. This is kind of a taste of that with us getting at least the, the you know, the, the Red Wings back and then getting to play the Lightning, getting to play the Carolina Hurricanes, which almost makes sense from a proximity standpoint as a natural rival. But as far as like your rankings go, I think you're, you're dead on uh, with, you know, Tampa being number one. I mean, until, until someone knocks them off that, that mountain, that's where they are. Uh, I think Carolina, they've gotten so much better even over the last couple of years since they made their playoff run. And the thing is they've met, they've managed to relatively keep that team together. And so that group that was already talented to begin with has built more and more chemistry. In a lot of ways, they remind me of us in 2018 uh, kind of that chemistry that was building and the fact that they've already, they've, they fought to keep that team together as well. The players did similar to how players for the Preds did. And then I, I would say, you know, Dallas, cause I mean, they were there, they had a good run last year. It's going to be curious to see if they can continue that run uh, in a different environment because this isn't a bubble, you know, obviously there's still going to be some travel involved. So maybe that'll factor into it. Um, they went through some changes on their roster as well. So, I mean, their goaltending is still pretty good, um, but I'll, I'll give up that, but uh, I don't put them ahead of Carolina. Um, I think you're dead on as far as Nashville being right in that four spot in that conversation, but Florida is sneaking up on people and Florida has, 
they have some talent. They, they have some good defense. Um, I would say, you know, with uh, beyond Florida, Columbus, Columbus is like the Jackal and Hyde. I mean, it's one one year. It's depending on the year. It's depending on the sale. One year they're an Apple Store, and the other, the other year they're a Kmart, and everything must go. Like it's it's either fire sale or top dollar because by the trade deadline they're either buyers or they're sellers, and, and they don't do any uh, way. Well, we were talking earlier about like teams we despise. I actually respect Columbus a lot out east. I respect their fans. I actually went to. I got a funny, quick little story here. Um, so I have this like personal little bucket list, and I'm sure a lot of hockey fans agree with me on this. I have this personal little bucket list where I want to see the Preds play in every away arena at some point. And my, I haven't crossed off a lot of teams yet because this was kind of thought of like four years ago, and I just haven't really gotten to travel for many reasons uh, since then. But I have been to a Columbus game, and uh, – I remember I actually went up there by myself. It was a one night trip thing. I was like, screw it. It was a spontaneous decision I made. So I made the trip, I made the trip up from Nashville to Columbus. Not that bad of a drive at all. Got up to Columbus, uh, stayed right off of uh, Ohio State's campus, actually. And um, so I, I was running behind getting up there. I hit some construction traffic. And, uh, you know, like it was one of those things where it's like, man, am I going to even make the game? And I ended up getting there about an hour early, checked into my hotel, and I'm like, "Well, I want to check out the pregame scene, pregame festivities, and I'm gonna pre- I'm gonna kind of like compare them to what I'm used to in Nashville, where it's just a freaking crazy, you know, pregame party, even on a Tuesday night before a Preds game. And I just want to be like, let's see if Columbus is the same way. I had no idea if it was or not, so I get up there. Wasn't anything like Lower Broadway, but. Nothing's like Lower Broadway when <laughs> But at the same time, so I find this little – I can't remember the name of the place. Uh, someone can come on Twitter if they're a Blue Jackets fan or they're from Columbus, and they can let me know what the name of this place is. But it was a small little, like, Irish-type pub bar that was right next to next to the arena, Columbus's arena, and uh, it was packed. I mean, it was packed to the gills. I want to say this was 2000 – it was after the Stanley Cup season. So I want to say it was 2018. But uh, so I, I'm like decked out in my pred stuff. I mean, I'm sticking out a sore thumb, and I and and I, and I walk into this bar, and it is so packed, and it's all either it's 50 percent guys in business suits drinking martinis, 50 percent Blue Jackets gear, no Preds fans in sight. Oh, and I'm wow. like, trying to, I'm like trying to like weasel my way up to the bar to get a drink. And no one's moving out of the way for me. <laughs> Imagine that. And so I get to the end and I'm like, I found my little staking spot where I can order a drink, you know, cause I'm a bartender. And so I know the game and, I, and I'm like, kind of like raising my hand and stuff and trying to get the bartender's attention. And um, they're kind of like passing me up and that's fine. I know the game, but uh, this blue jackets fan, like literally he's so cool. He moves out of the way a little bit and gives me more space to get to closer to the bartender. So I can order a drink. I start talking to them. They're like, we thought you were wearing Michigan colors there first with that gold. <laughs> and a lot of people are probably looking at you hard because we're all Buckeyes fans here. You're wearing Preds gear. Uh, you're fine. You're not a threat. Oh. We expect you to beat us tonight anyway because, it, you know, that season we had we still had Stanley Cup hopes. Right. Uh, so, you know, kind of going back to the uh, hated fan bases things, Columbus Blue Jackets fans, you guys are on my A-list. You guys are cool. It's fun to have you back in the uh, in the division. 
I can agree with that. I mean, living in Cincinnati, we're close enough to Columbus that there's a, a good amount of fans here uh, in the area, and they've always been gracious. I think, I mean, because they, they kind of, they almost, like I said, they're, they're going back to that piece about the deadline, the trade deadline. They kind of live and die by that trade deadline of like where that team is, and it's either all in or all out. But they're, they, you know, they're passionate and they, they're not, you know, obnoxious at all. The fans that's in here, I've been to probably about four or five Columbus games in Nashville, and every time I see a Columbus fan in, in, in Bridgestone, they're not a problem. They're good. They're nice people. They, they, you know, they, they're going to celebrate their team like any other fan would, but they're not going to be obnoxious about it. They're not going to be jerks. So mm-hmm. I'm glad you had a positive experience up there. Um, I've had positive experiences too, but I definitely agree. They're, they're, you know, they're, they're good franchise. They're good fan base. Uh, whether or not they're in contention in that four or five spot, uh, that's to be seen. We're going to, it's going to be interesting to see. Absolutely. Yeah, go. Heading up to Columbus is on my bucket list too. I definitely like to get up there and see a game. I've only actually it's been there. Nice. Yeah, other than, other than Bridgetown, I've only other been to um, the Capital One Arena. I got to go to a Devils Capitals game with my brother. He lives in he lives in Washington, um, so it's like you said, nothing like Bridgetown. It's yeah, it, it was like not even close. But um, yeah, it was it was cool. I just there, I live right in the middle of a like Columbus is to the north. Then I got Nashville and then Carolina. So like there's like a little circle of like all these places I'd like to go to watch the games. So, yep. Awesome. Well, but not said, if you're going to come up to Columbus, be careful. Cause uh, going through Cincinnati on I-75, I don't know if you know about that bridge, but that bridge uh, nearly collapsed. Oh, so I do. Yeah. I know all about it. Yeah. All, so, those uh, trips up, all those trips up to Kings Island. Oh yeah. Yeah. You gotta <laughs> give it, give it until March. I mean, it's supposed to be repaired soon, but we'll give it a little bit of time, but yeah. Right. That's funny. So, uh, yeah, so this whole – the new division, I think it's going to be um, – it's going to generate a lot of new talks. Um, I do think it gives the Preds, like, new life in a sense of – I mean, we don't want them to in any way to back into the playoffs because they have an easy walk, and I don't think we have to worry about that. But I do think the division, uh, going back to Rich's question, um, I do think it slightly got maybe a little easier, the path. Uh, just because you're losing Colorado, who I mean, Colorado is my Stanley Cup pick, and I know a lot of people would uh, have them. That that's kind of going off. I know I'm not going out on a limb by by picking them necessarily, but the reason why a lot of people are picking them is because they are that good, and they have been building this type of team. For, I mean, I saw the I saw the I knew the Avalanche were coming going into that first round series in 2018 when the Preds did. It gave it took everything the Preds had a very stacked and talented Preds team. It took it took them six games, and it was a very hard fought six games. Mm-hmm. Well, I think, when I agree with you, I think that the path they have that Western Division it just looks easier on paper than you know the Central. Even the I mean the East looks like pretty brutal when you consider the fact that it's got Boston Bruins, Islanders, yeah. Rangers, Penguins, Caps. Yeah. It's gonna be tough. And and the Western Division, I mean, I'm sure a lot of St. Louis fans are like, really. We're going to be the sacrificial lamb that gets thrown into the West. <laughs> but, um, I mean, in the end, like I said, you know, you're going to have to work your, your butt off no matter what to win in hockey. So um, this is all just kind of like for the sake of argument. It's fun to talk about, and it kind of gives us something new because we have new division opponents. But you know, in hockey, this, well, this is why we love hockey is everything is earned. Like you're not going to back your way in. You're not going to like – be like, oh, well, we had an easy road. That's why we got in the playoffs. No, it's going to be hard no matter what. And with Seattle kind of enjoying things, it's going to be interesting to see, like, 
if this opens up discussion for realignment, you know, permanently or at least more, you know, uh, concrete realignment down the road, because these divisions are fun. I mean, they, they preserve mm -hmm. some rivalries. You lose a couple rivalries here and there, but for the most part, the rivalries are preserved. The Canada division is really enticing uh, to see who comes out of Canada, and that's going to be, you know, this is going to be some good competition. But it's going to be interesting to see after the season what we learn from this season and what, uh, you know, what the ramifications for that are. So I'm, I'm really excited to see that happen. I think it's good that they're mixing it up too. You know, it's it's good to inject a little bit of life into it and not see the same teams. And the I'm really intrigued, like we talked about earlier, of playing the same teams for all 56 games. I just think it's gonna it's gonna be a slugfest. Real quick, guys, real quick before we before we do it, Chad brought it up. So who's your Stanley Cup for this year? Uh, the, who, who who's in the final, Colin? I would say. For me, I'm going to go a sneaky pick. I'm going to go Edmonton. I think they're, I think they're going to I think they're going to make a run. I think they've got a lot of youth, a lot of energy, and a lot of talent, um, and they can make some moves here. And then I'm probably going to go Colorado Avs. I'm going to, okay. I'm going to say those two. So I'm going so, to go. I'm going to go Avalanche Bruins. What about you, you Chad? Well, Avalanche Bruins would be a really dream scenario for the NHL because I think that would draw yeah. really really strong ratings. Um, I actually agree with you on your Easter Conference pick, or on yeah, on your East pick. I'm gonna go Bruins as well. I think they got all they they made the most improvements out of all the teams I've looked at over the offseason. Uh, out yeah, west, yeah. but out west, I mean, even though the Avalanche are the team that everyone wants to pick, um, man, I, I'm I'm gonna go out on a limb here and take a chance and take a risk here. Everyone's gonna be like, oh, let's write that down. You know, but I actually think that man, stuff. Well, with the way so with the way the divisions are, are lined out, the Central is considered the Western Conference now, right? Yeah. Well, yes. for all intents and purposes, yeah. 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 And so it's just weird to say this because they're they're on the East Coast, but I'm really all in on Carolina, man. That's a I solid point. I mean, I know that's taking a chance, but you know. You see these types of things happen in NHL playoffs all the time. And I could totally see an up, a huge upset happening this season. I can even see a team who's a perceived Stanley Cup favorite struggle badly in the regular season with this two-game format, this three-game formatting. If you catch the wrong team in the wrong matchup at the wrong time, you could just lose, you could lose three in a row against the same team because it's a bad, you run into a bad matchup problem or you run into a team that's just hot. You know, like the Preds got hot going into March this for the pause, and we thought they were dead in the water. Next thing you know, they do back-to-back -back shutouts against the Stars, who ended up being the Western Conference champions. Mm -hmm. So imagine these little three-game formats against the same team. You know, you could you could easily – you're going to see some teams who are really good lose six in a row or five of six because they run into the wrong two teams. Right. I, I agree with you there, and I think Carolina, young team that's gotten some playoff experience, and so they're going to use that to their advantage. They got that taste in Yeah, and and at the same time, like you know, with kind of what you were saying about facing these teams back to back to back, it's also going to make it easier to either catch up or fall behind. Um, because if you're behind a certain team, you know, three games behind a certain team, you can catch up to them if you just sweep them, or at least you know get two games on them yep. and continue to play. So it's going to make the chase a lot more fun. I am slotting the Preds, though. I'm slotting them in that four spot. I'm gonna go ahead and uh, call my shot on that. Uh, I think they're gonna they're gonna 
narrowly sneak in with a four spot. And then, of course, when you make the playoffs, anything can happen. I think it's going to take some time for this team to gel with the new with the newcomers on the roster. We, you know, uh, real quick, we're going to wrap up the episode just kind of with uh, – I'm going to kind of go over real quick uh, just based on the whole taxi squad. Uh, Colin, you had some stuff on the taxi squad, right? Uh, a little bit, just a few thoughts, but it wasn't too much. Okay, so just kind of like, I mean, what's really interesting about it is uh, teams are going to be able to uh, hold four to six players on this taxi squad, and they're basically going to be players that they can call upon, you know, on this unprecedented season. But, that, you know, doing this also has uh, cap implications too. So yeah. it just, it, it's going to be hard for these teams to maneuver around all this. Uh, well, and, and very for well, for Nashville, we're in a really good spot because of our cap space. So the good thing is we got a lot of cap room because, you know, I mean, granted, we're still paying tourist money, unfortunately. But <laughs> beyond that, we still have a lot of cap room. So with these uh, taxi teams, basically you're either giving them the NHL minimum or you're giving them the AHL contracts. So it's nothing, you know, crazy numbers-wise in terms of money. But the benefit of it is they're traveling with the team and they can practice with the team. And so, you know, while they may not see, you know, the experience they might get in the AHL, they'll get some NHL experience in terms of how you prepare for a game, the competition, level of competition you're up against. Uh, it gives players like Tomasino probably better development because he was going to be going down to the OHL anyways. So honestly, I'd rather him have him practicing against, you know, NHL-caliber competition versus playing against the OHL. Uh, for Connor Ingham, it gives us a chance to see where he's at because we're going to be carrying three goalies. So, uh, you know, with him having a, a fantastic season, being probably one of the best goalies in the AHL last year, we need to see what we what we have in him. Uh, we don't know, you know, what's going to happen with Pekka beyond this year. So having him part of that, having some other prospects as part of the taxi team uh, is going to be good for us. I think it's going to lead us to sign. I think, I think regardless of the taxi team, we're going to sign someone here probably before the season gets started. Um but, you know, we might make a few more additions uh, just because we're going to need some other people to kind of be able to be ready to go in the event, you know, God forbid someone gets COVID or there's an outbreak in some some regard. Like, we, we need to have that team ready to go and have those guys ready to go if they need to, if they're called upon. Um, but it's going to be, I think, I think for the benefit of the Predators, with which, you know, has a lot of, for a team that has a lot of question marks like we do, uh, it lets us kind of answer that or at least get an idea of it, especially because, you know, sometimes, especially with this kind of schedule, you might you know, have guys that just need to be scratched and you know and just need a night off to you know regenerate a little bit um, because this is going to be a brutal season. I mean, it's going to be a, a slugfest uh, between these teams, and so it's going to give us more opportunities for some of these younger guys and some of these prospects to see what we really have in them um, and if it's if it's worth investing in for the future or if we need to uh, look a different direction and how we're going to really shape the franchise and shape the roster. Yeah, for sure. Um, you're definitely going to get to see some some prospects this season that maybe you wouldn't normally see. Um, I've been in the camp of saying that under normal conditions, I'm not. Re- I think Tomasino doesn't need to be rushed into into the NHL too soon. But at the same time, it, it, if we're going to be having these expanding rosters and you're going to be having these back to backs and this condensed schedule, why not uh, put them out there? Uh, and, and see what happens because the talent's undeniable. Um, nothing would surprise me if he were to play in his debut game for the Preds and he scored a goal. I mean, it would be cool to see and Twitter would light up and fans oh, yeah. would be going crazy. <laughs> but it really wouldn't surprise me that much. That's the t- type of talent he has. 
But uh, we can throw uh, uh, Ren Pitlick in there. I think he's right there. Uh, obviously, Yakov Trenin, who's already played with the Preds uh, a little bit. He's right in line to be getting starting spots. Um, so it's going to be, in, obviously, Connor Ingram. I, w- I wouldn't bet money that Ingram doesn't get a start this upcoming season in these crazy circumstances. So we'll just have to wait and see. But it's it's interesting. Uh, I really invite everyone to go follow Puckpedia on Twitter because uh, they really put out an extensive um, layout of all of these complex rules. They're going to be a guest on a future episode coming up in the near future to really dive into all of this stuff. Uh, but getting ready to go into Christmas week here, or we're in Christmas week already, obviously. And so, uh, guys, uh, you got any big uh, holiday plans? No, no, just hanging out at home. <laughs> there you go. World Juniors, oh, yeah. right? That's your holiday we, plan, World Juniors. World Juniors, yeah. One, one good news is instead of uh, – I talked to my in-laws instead of doing uh, turkey. All right. Welcome to Catfish on Ice podcast brought to you by the Hockey Podcast Network. Uh, my name is Colin Bluen. I am one of the three hosts of this podcast. Uh, I'm joined with Chad Minton and Rich Howe. Uh, we're really excited to uh, bring you guys here tonight. As we get into the holiday season, it's a reminder to uh, spread good, good cheer and happiness. And we thought, what better way to do that than talk about the teams that we despise? <laughs> So we're going to get right yeah. into it. Uh, we put a poll out on Twitter. You guys, I think that we'll all have various degrees, you know, various opinions on this. Um, we put out the poll of, you know, what teams do we despise the most uh, within, you know, as, as a franchise. And uh, from the people that played, uh, that took part in that poll, we had the following breakdown. So we had the Penguins at 40.9%, Blackhawks at 36.4%, Stars at 18.2%, and Blues at 4.5%. How are you guys feeling about that? Um, so, um, go ahead, Chad. Yeah, so I was going to say I'm kind of not too surprised by the poll results just because uh, when you got the Penguins, you know, no one can forget the Stanley Cup uh, meeting with them. Uh, I, before the Stanley Cup, you know, Preds fans didn't really care about the Penguins at all. But ever since that Stanley Cup, Stanley Cup meeting, I don't think uh, any Preds fan will ever forget about that and everything that transpired with that. And then, of course, you got the Blackhawks up there. Uh, pretty much the two teams you would expect to be at the top of the hate list. Uh, Colin, were you surprised at all No, I mean, at all by the uh, top? I'm not. I think the Penguins, especially because it's so fresh on the minds of the fan base, because we, you know, we went through that whole experience. We saw Sidney Crosby get that special treatment when he should have been uh, probably probably ejected from the game for smashing PK Subban's head into the ice um, and throwing the water bottle on the ice. But I'm not even gonna. We'll get into that in a little bit. But that didn't really surprise me. Blackhawks seemed right on par. Stars, honestly, I have less hate for the Stars now that they got rid of Corey Perry because Corey Perry. To me, it's just such a, a goon, and I'm gonna try to avoid some language, but man, I just can't stand <laughs> Corey Perry. So I think that that you know, at least they since they got rid of him, yeah, they're in division and they've been doing well, and and you know, we want to be always doing better than them. But I don't have as much hate for them. The Blues, like the thing about the Blues is they're they're you know we, we we've had some back and forth with them, but honestly, like before you know before they won a cup, they're probably one of the most starred franchises in terms of how long they've been in the league versus actually not you know winning at all, and so. I've never really had every time I've seen a blues fan at, at Bridgestone or even just, you know, having uh, friends, casual friends that are blue, blues fans, they're always gracious. They don't really, you know, I never, 
you know, see them rubbing it in. I mean, they're all, you know, they're passionate about glory and all that good stuff. But, you know, I've never really like met a blues fan that was just so obnoxious to me that I couldn't stand them. The one that I'm kind of curious about is we obviously with Twitter, you can only do four teams. So, you know, we went with three teams in our division and one team that's outside of our division or outside of our uh, conference as well with the Penguins. Um, but I'm curious to see where the Red Wings would, would, would land in this because that's kind of one of the teams I still despise. I think that for me personally, and we'll kind of go into our personal, you know, who we all personally despise, but for me, the Red Wings, I mean, it's just they're, you know, the hockey purists, but in a snobby kind of way, still very similar to Chicago. Um, I wrote that recent article on Predlines, uh, week three of Predsmas, about the, the Festivus and airing our grievances with uh, other franchises. And really, the Red Wings, you know, they, they like to claim that the catfish is an imitation of them throwing the squid on the ice, which is dumb. I mean, at least at least the catfish, like I said, the catfish is native to Tennessee. At least we have that going for us. I've never seen a squid in Detroit, but other than on their, on their ice. But, you know, I, I, I'm excited. That's one thing we'll get into a little bit later about the when we talk about division realignment is the fact that we can play them again just because I love sticking to their fans. And there are always so many in, in Bridgestone. And for those that don't know, a lot of it's because a lot of Red Wings fans were relocated to Tennessee uh, when the Saturn plant, later on the GM plant, was put in uh, Spring Hill. And so, you know, you got a lot of Red Wings fans as it is in the state. Um, they always try to pack the arena, but the, the product they've been putting on the ice lately has been crap. So it just makes me laugh because it's like <laughs> you spend all that money to watch your team get knocked around. By all means, if that's how you want to spend your money, go for it. But um, now the Blackhawks have a special uh, a special place in, I wouldn't say my heart because they don't deserve to be there. But uh, I especially love hating the Blackhawks. Uh, the very first meme I created, and Chad, if you want to go ahead and throw that up on the screen, but the very first meme I created was after the uh, 27 Cup or 2017 uh, Stanley Cup playoffs uh, when we got to uh, sweep <laughs> the Blackhawks. And especially, I mean, we just we ate Corey, Corey, Perry, or Corey uh, Crawford's lunch. I mean, it was just, it was so sublime to, to just be able to say, oh, they, they're the number one seed overall, presidents, trophy winners. And we swept them for for no. Nobody counted us in that series, and, and to not only do that, but to do it against a division rival, I mean, it was just awesome. Uh, one of the um, the pieces I wrote recently along the lines as well uh, was about the holiday villains and comparing Patrick Lane uh, or Patrick Lane and uh, Jonathan Taves to the Wet Bandits because in that situation. Nobody, nobody counted us out, right? Like if you're Macaulay Culkin as an eight-year-old, you're not. Nobody's going to put you up against the two grown adults and think you're going to come out on top. And yet we did. And we, I mean, we not only did we do that, but we just beat the snot out of them. So one of my all-time favorite Preds moments: Game Four, being able to seal the deal, go out at four and out four zero, bounce them from the playoffs after they had such a great season. That was that still is one of my all-time favorite Preds memories. But uh, though that's that's my most despised team is the Blackhawks. Very close second, I would say that's. That's my 1A. My 1B is probably the Red Wings. But where do you guys stand? Who are your uh, most despised teams? So I've got a <clears throat> – I guess I like looking for the good in all the teams, and I just enjoy watching hockey. So it's like, yeah, I mean, we all hate Corey Perry, and we know we do. <laughs> but but I, like you said, we – I really don't have that much of a problem with Dallas. You know, I like, I like most of the players, you know, Sagan and uh, Qdobin and those guys. And then the same thing with the Blackhawks. It's like, I respect Kane. I respect all those guys. And even though, you know, Rene does have Chicago's number, which is very pleasing, (laughs) but there is, there's, there is one team that I really despise. And unfortunately it wasn't very high on our list. And that's the St. Louis blues. It's the blues. Blues. Yes. So like you said, 
about being goons, I would consider the whole team a bunch of goons. <laughs> That's fair. Yeah. So it really, really, really feel right. I know, right? Really so, so like the worst part was obviously when Victor Arvinson got hurt, Batuzo knocked him down. And what really, really ticked me off the worst was as Arvinson was trying to get up, Jordan Bennington took his stick and just smashed it down in the back of Arvinson's back. And at that point, I was just can't have it anymore. And like Patrick Maroon, I mean, I know he's not with him anymore, but I just, I, I don't know. I just, ever since, that time I always try to look for the good in a team, but I just can't do it with them. That's fair. That's fair. And I mean, Peter, Peter, Peter Angelo, there we go. Jeez. Yeah. That was a, a mouthful. Uh, and he had our, he's had our number, especially when we give him power play opportunities. I mean, that guy just kills us. Right. So from that standpoint, you know, especially the fact that, I mean, there's some jealousy there because they did win the cup. I mean, I, I hate him for that much, but at the same time, you know, I get it, especially like you know when you, when you got some dirty players, it's just never, it's it's hard to like anybody that plays that side right. of hockey. And that's uh, that, that's the other thing. That's another thing about it is like we all have those dirty players that we can't stand, but the majority of them, except for probably like Corey Perry, we would probably welcome them with open arms into Nashville, and then, <laughs> you know, so we would probably just like like if I know like everybody hates Brad Marchand, but they don't all take him in a heartbeat probably on their team because he's just that good. But like I said, I, I don't think Perry would go over well in Nashville. So, Oh, gosh, no. I uh. So the uh, – yeah, so the Preds – how about the Preds last season? They had some some bad luck with some of these teams we're mentioning when it comes to, like, uh, injuries and, like, you're talking about let's, – let's get into the Winter Classic, talking about Corey Perry. Um, that's still fresh on everyone's mind like it happened last week. Uh, you know, that, that winter classic opened up and the Preds were cruising along, you know, obviously a huge stage. And um, I mean, I was like, I remember when that game started and it was on NBC, players are walking out into the cotton bowl and it was like, the incredible, yeah, incredible it stuff. and it was just like, you know, at that time the Preds were playing awful hockey. So it was like, but the enthusiasm was still there. And the Preds opened up, you know, score, you know, playing great. Honestly, they they took mm -hmm. the early lead, and they got that five on three and, and all that good stuff. And uh, the injury happened. Corey Perry got ejected. <laughs> I remember we were all like tagging hands. We were like, Corey Perry's out of the game. See you later. Don't let the door hit you on the way out. You know. Right. And we know how that game ended. It ended poorly. And. Uh, you know, the Dallas Stars in their own right are a good team, but I think ever since the Winter Classic and obviously the first-round playoff exit, uh, the Dallas Stars are suddenly right up there with the Blackhawks and the Penguins as being a team that we despise. And so for me, nothing's going to top the Penguins as far as teams that I that I can't uh, stand just because of the Stanley Cup. And, you know, it went six games and – you look back on history books and it's always going to be the Preds got beaten six games. They went up against a Sidney Crosby, you know, team that has a ton of other stars on it as well, surrounding him. Like as much as you hate the team, that was a great team assembled around him. But that series had a lot of turning points that did not go the Preds favor. Uh, that game could have that series could have easily gone seven games, uh, you know, game one, you know, they called that offsides call. 
that uh, wiped away the Preds going up 1-0 in the f- game one. Now, yeah. Now I'm not going to sit here and say that <laughs> if that call doesn't happen, the Preds win the series. I'm not going to be that biased and, and be that guy. But that series was a lot closer than the six games that it ended in uh, indicates. And so unless you actually watch that series or unless you actually ask a an objective Penguins fan, and I actually have a good friend of mine who's a Penguins fan, and hook a lie detector test up to him, and he's going to tell you that that series was close and he was worried about the Preds in that series. I agree so, with that. Yeah, I, so I the, think so – well, the pain was top of my list. Well, the pain was top of my list. Easy. Sorry to cut you off, Colin. But the pain was, pain was top of my list. Blackhawks are a close second, even though the Blackhawks have faded and they're not as good of a team as, as you know they were. Here's the thing about the Blackhawks, and I wrote this down because, honestly, I couldn't believe this when I saw it. Um, for a good decade, up until 2007, the Blackhawks didn't even get 80 points in a regular season. Like, they're a storied franchise – you know, they have a ton of great history. They go back into, you know, over a century, they go back. So, great history, obviously. But to compare the Preds to the Blackhawks, when it, you know, they always like to bring up, well, how many Cubs have you won? That's every classic hockey fan of those franchises. Red, Red Wings fans do it, too. Well, how many – that's their number one argument they bring up to you when you try to argue hockey with them. How many Cubs have you won? Um, well, we haven't been around since around when the Titanic sank. So, <laughs> I would, I would hope, I would hope, I would hope that they'd win a couple. You know, since yeah, they've been around since exactly. the twenties, you so, think they'd so, win like a whole bunch. Yeah. Well, at the so, same time, like you got to think, like you can ask them now. The rebuttal argument is how many playoff games have you won since two thousand ten? <laughs> I mean, we've yeah. got them in that in spades. That's true. But please, please forgive us Predators fans and the Predators franchise for not winning a ton of cups. You know, since we've barely been around since Y two K. So. Um, right. So that's kind of my, my disdain for the for the Blackhawks. That's kind of where that's embedded in is you guys really haven't done that much. You had that little mini dynasty. We'll give you that. It, it took it took you long enough to get back to that. But now they're you know they're not on my top of my radar. The Dallas Stars are quickly rising. Uh, we brought you guys brought up the Blues. The Blues are an annoying team, and yes, they won the cup and uh, they finally got that that Stanley Cup. But I really can't put them in my top three just because. I still kind of consider them one of us, even though they do have that cup. And so that does obviously set them apart. You know, geographically speaking, you know, close franchises. I've met a lot of their fans and they're uh, before they won the cup, they were just fans just like us. And so I just wanted to see their team. And so they, they finally broke through and won a cup. So I can't really put them in that top three for me. Well, I left off. I left off one more person. I forgot. This might change your mind. I don't know. David Perron, does that do anything? Oh, yeah. We know all about He is like He is like somebody's annoying little brother. I don't know. I just like – Yeah. I mean, he is an agitator, but I guess once again, he's one of those guys that you'd love to have him on your team because he does his job well. But I just – when he's playing for them, man, I just can't – I can't do it. So That's fair. That's fair. No, I think – for me, and going back to kind of the Penguins piece too, like you think about that 2017 series and the injuries we had with Ryan Johansson and Kevin Fiala both being out. 
I mean, the fact that we pushed them to that many, you know, to six games, and those games, like you said, were closer than what it might look like on paper. If we had had those two, it might even be a different story because they were playing lights out hockey, you know, in, in the playoffs before both of them got injured. So that, that's one kind of piece I think about of, is that they had, you know, arguably a, an easier route. Granted, Ottawa took them, you know, Ottawa made it challenging for them, but that Ottawa team was nothing overly special in that year. So it's kind of like, yeah, they had they had a slightly tough road, but it nearly it wasn't nearly as tough as the Predators. The Predators had to go in as an eight seed and go through that gauntlet, and then you know get to arguably one of the most stacked teams when you look at how many scores the Penguins had. But I've got friends that are Penguins fans; they're very much in line with the Blackhawks fans of you know, how many cups do you have, uh, and especially like they like to put salt in that fresh wound in 2017. That's super annoying. So I can I can definitely see that. Um, you know, for me, I would say probably. Blackhawks, Red Wings, and then Penguins in that order, um, and and the Stars are getting up there definitely, especially because they're just they're a contender. Like you gotta, you know, you don't dislike someone if you respect as long if if you don't respect them. And so I respect the Stars, but that means I dislike them that much more just because I know they're competitive. Uh, same thing with the Blues. I mean, I, I think more of it's the jealousy plus like that, like Rich said, the goon factor of like the fact that they just have some guys in their team that are just they're just a bunch of jerks in a lot of ways. So. That kind of does it for me, but you know, I think that there's there there might be I mean, who else could you guys think of that could be a potential rival? I know that I mentioned in the the prevalence piece, like the Coyotes are kind of coming up there, but at the same mm-hmm. time, like, they're not always consistent enough to really like be a rival just yet. Like 2012 happened, yeah. and that was frustrating, and then last year happened, that was frustrating. But that time in between, it seems like they always kind of have our number in the regular season, anyways, too. But as far as like an NHL team that's in contention or really that is you know going to be a playoff threat. They, they struggle to be consistent in that regard. I mean, part of it's, you know, they change coaches and GMs like they change underwear. Uh, but, you know, it kind of just depends on, you know, the year of what kind of Coyotes team you're going to get. But like I said, they've had our numbers. So they're kind of one of those teams that's a, a fringe, you know, team I dislike. I don't want to. I'm, I'm from Arizona originally. So it's like I don't want to dislike them. But they're kind of annoying at, at this point uh, just because every time that we've had a, a good opportunity except for 2017, um, you know, if it wasn't for 2012, if it wasn't for them, we could have, you know, made run so uh so colin uh it's interesting you bring that up because the preds have notoriously had re- had a reputation of playing up to their competition and playing down to their competition i can you know i don't have the numbers in front of me i don't have the head-to-head records exactly but i can't tell you that uh the preds have historically performed really well against teams like the tampa bay lightning but then they struggle against teams in certain seasons who aren't very good in the standings. Uh, just take this last season, for instance. You know, they dropped a game to the Red Wings. They uh, struggled against other teams that weren't that good in the standings at the time. You know, they lost to the Blackhawks. They got beat by the Blackhawks bad at one in one game this past season. So, uh, when it comes to the, you know, the Arizona Coyotes, they're, they, you know, like, they're one of those teams where it's like, you don't really overlook them and definitely not after the Stanley Cup qualifiers. But I do think that a lot of fans were overlooking them in the Stanley Cup qualifiers. I was not one of those fans. I was going into the qualifiers thinking we should beat them. On paper, we should beat them. But there's a lot of games we've lost that we should have won on paper this year. So I, as much as it, as it sucked to lose in the Stanley Cup qualifiers and not even make it out of, out of that round, I really wasn't that surprised by it. So the Coyotes are one of those teams where it's like, you know, they hang around. They're always a French playoff team. But 
to put to put a team on my pedestal of teams I can't I can't stand. I need a team that has a really rabid fan base, and every time I see a Coyotes home game, it's like half full. You know, and that's not a stab at Arizona fans because there's a lot to do out there, and you know, like I've never lived in Arizona, so I'm not gonna you know pretend like I know all the things that there is to do out there. There might be more to do, but I'm just going off what I see on TV. And no, you're you're, you're right to say that. I mean, yeah, yeah I think. Or it's like the, the arena is in the middle. It's literally in the middle of the desert because people think, oh, like Arizona Coyotes is almost playing, you know, downtown Phoenix. No, it's about yeah. 45 minutes outside of downtown Phoenix. So, to, yeah. And then honestly, I mean, you're trying to grow hockey in the desert. I think, you know, for all intents and purposes, they've done a decent job of that. But it's kind of like the, I think about like the San Jose Sharks. Like they're, they're, their fans don't show up till the second period usually, right? Because they're in LA or they're, in, you know, San yeah. Jose. They, they have to get through all the traffic to even get to the game. So I kind of think of it like that. But there is one team that I feel it feels almost kind of personal uh, for me, but and there, it's another Central Division team, but it's the Winnipeg Jets. And part of it is the 2018 playoffs. Um, I think part of it for me is that they kind of held up a mirror to us and showed us our flaws. And one of the big ones is the lack of physicality. I mean, that's kind of why we brought Bart Brian uh, Boylan because we needed the physicality. Like we were we were a finesse team that could not beat anybody off the boards. And players like Buffington and Line a could beat us off the boards. And you know. They could easily take away the puck in transition, uh, push us off the puck. They pushed us around, and, and you know, for me that kind of it wasn't. It's not been consistent enough where like I despise them yet, but at the same time, like it was fresh enough that that's one of the teams I really disliked just because they showed us how far away from the kind of smashful hockey we've gotten. And I think we're going to get back to that with you know Barwecki and a bunch of the other acquisitions we've had, but uh, it, it was frustrating to go through that process. And, and even you know when we played them in the regular season, they've been a frustrating team for us just because. They're a bigger team than us. They're not necessarily more, you know, a finesse team. Uh, they do have a good goaltender. I'll give them that. Uh, but you know, it, it's been more the frustration of the fact that we can't outmuscle them, and that's what we should be able to do as Smashville, or at least be chirpy with them. At least you know, put up a good fight against them. So that's kind of another team that's a fringe for me, a fringe team on this size. I don't really despise them yet. Uh, give it a year or two, maybe I could. But um, they're, they're definitely on my radar. Rich, do you have anybody else that you kind of thought of that might be like a fringe team, not quite fully despised just yet? But- uh, well, once again, it's not it's not really a whole team. It's more players for me. And like <laughs> it, both of the Chuchucks, man, I can't really don't like <laughs> those dudes either. <laughs> I, I hate to be that way, but I just, man, I don't know. I know, I know that sports figures, you know, they have egos, I guess, but those those guys, man, they're just both of those guys just seem like the ego so, just drifted uh, with them, and they're Canada. They're Canada's problem this year, man. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. So, Rich, so, Rich and Colin, did you guys see the uh, the tweet that uh, uh, that was put out of the? It was like the the it was basically a video of two guys flicking each other's up, flicking each other off in the street, and they just keep like throwing the middle finger up. I did see that. <laughs> it, I did see that. Is a uh, yeah, it's just like that's perfect. Like during this, like that's something that like these new divisions were, which we're about to get into. Uh, it's going to create like all these new rivalries, new intrigues. It's like wow, like it's going to be by accident maybe because no one planned on this. But yeah, I'm curious. Yeah. To see, I'm curious. I'm curious to see if we get our first like brother on brother, you know, dropping of the gloves and throwing some fists. I bet uh, you will. I bet you will because. I mean, would that be a, would that be a first? Have brothers? That's a good like. I don't know. I'm sure it's happened at some point. I don't know. So like you know, 
our division, we're going to be playing those guys eight different times, but the Canadian teams are going to be playing each other nine or ten times. So, did, uh, did you guys did you guys see kind of like how? So they're already kind of rumbling about how we're going to see two, three, and even a four game set in this schedule against the same team. Uh, like they're already kind of like leaked some drafts on on what the schedule is going to look like, and of course you're going to play all interdivision games. Uh, so. You know, this kind of links into our talk about teams we can't stand the most. And so in our and you know, in our in our new division, you know, we got the Red Wings and all that and all that stuff. So it's gonna really reignite the teams we can't stand the most, you know. I'm excited. That's one of the things that that's kind of nice about it. I almost you know, when they were talking about like the, the realignment, we'll kind of get into that in here in a second, but when we were talking about the, the possibility of adding pay the penguins in, it was like cool, we get a rivalry that we can really kind of you know nourish a little bit. But yeah. that is a good segue. Let's get into uh, the division realignment. Chad, I know you're gonna lead us through that conversation. Or not sorry, sorry, not Chad. Rich, I know you're gonna lead us through that one. <laughs> yeah, so before we talk about the central, I just wanted to like I know we know that they had to realign the divisions because of the travel. They don't want people getting exposed to COVID and the, before we talk about our like the central, I wanted to ask you guys about the Canadian division because you know that the Canadian government has basically the whole country in a lockdown, and some of those teams they don't even know if they're even going to be able to play in their own arenas at all. So, and I know there was talk about bringing them uh, to the United States to play. So, like, what do you guys think? Do you think that they'll get moved to the United States? I mean, honestly, for me, like hockey is so big to Canada as its national sport, but also its economy, um, just from the, the broadcasting aspect of it. I I almost look at it like the similar way they did the bubbles in which they had to get, you know, the waivers approved. I, I just find it hard to believe. I mean, granted, Canada's done a pretty good job of spreading the virus, probably a little bit more, you know, stringent than some countries, but I find it hard to believe that Canada is not going to find a way to get some sort of waivers that these teams can play. I mean, you know, granted, it's going to be a similar bubble atmosphere, um, you know, with as far as the protocols they have, they're going to be very strict on those. I know the NHL is still ironing those out, but there's been enough other major franchises to do it to show that it works or that it can work. Um, that hopefully it gives them a good argument with, you know, Canada's government to let them, you know, continue to play in the arenas, especially if the arenas aren't full of anybody else other than, right. you know, the, the essential staff that you need, people that, you know, Zamboni drivers and so on. But, Beyond that, like I, I just find it hard to believe that Canada is not gonna, you know, let that happen and make an exception for that case. I mean, granted, there are probably arenas where they could play uh, in the U.S., but then it makes it a question of, you know, when Canada eases up those restrictions, usually to get back into the country, you have to do like a two-week quarantine once you get mm-hmm. back. And so, is it going to be like a two-week, you know, almost all, like uh, a super All-Star break at that point uh, to let the Canada teams kind of, you know, take some, some, some you know, some time? And then at that point, the NHL's time months enough because they're trying to get to the playoffs by what? Uh, is it May or the March? I think it was the end of May was they're the last saying, game. So they're saying that the uh, they want to wrap up the season by May eighth. That's the current timeline. Yeah. Oh, so, okay. I mean, it's gonna make it's gonna make things tough if they have to you know go to, go to the U.S. play and then quarantine for two weeks and can't play hockey. Uh, if they want to go back to their home arenas. So, and then it also just kind of seems like it's kind of redundant because at that point it's like, well, if they're not going to be playing in Canada, they're going to play in the U.S. Why did you go through the trouble of, you know, the division realignment? So, yeah. I think so, – yeah. go ahead. Well, I was just going to say, so some uh, – this was from uh, Puckpedia. Uh, Puckpedia, who is – I encourage everyone to follow Puckpedia. Uh, we're going to have them on as a guest on a future episode. 
And uh, they do a great job with salary cap stuff and getting into the all the raw numbers when it comes to stuff like that. All right, so they they kind of put out a 2020-21 transition rule list, and we don't have to get into all the specifics, or we might get into it a little bit later in this episode if we have time, because it's it's very complex and it it takes a lot of really looking at and studying, and you really got to be into the numbers and kind of be geeked out about hockey and all that stuff. Like we are, we're all, we're all geeked out on hockey, obviously. But um, so, yeah, so they said uh, uh, January 13th start date, as we all know, and then uh, wrap it. They want the season to end by May 8th, meaning there's uh, 116 days in this season. Normally there's 186 days. So as we all figured very condensed, but that kind of puts it into a, um, an easier perspective to, to look at like, wow, they're really crunching this down in terms of days. Um, so it's, I mean, it's going to be, it's going to be a wild season to watch. It's going to be, it's going to be tight, and that's the thing is like, and kind of with that Canada piece, like, you know, with the fact that we're trying to start in January thirteenth, thirteenth, that means that they have to start quarantining, you know, really by like, December 29th. I mean, like, yeah. that's that's the start time for the quarantine. So, it's going to be, I mean, the Canada, the Canadian government's going to have to make a decision pretty quick here of whether or not they're going to let them play within, you know, Canada. I just I find it hard to think that the NHL didn't have consider, you know at least discussions initially with the the Canada legislation and, and the decision makers. Colin, Colin, I think I really think that they are kind of doing this on the fly right now. <laughs> I mean, and I'm I'm not, I'm not blaming them for that at all. I mean, honestly, I'm not. But uh, this this. I, it's it's still it's still Gary Bettman ran ran NHL. So I, yeah, yeah, it makes sense. Exactly. I, yeah. yeah. Go ahead, Rich. Go ahead. Oh, I was going to say that maybe, maybe the uh, Canadian government will change their tune. Maybe that's why the NHL said we might just move them all to the United States. That might have uh, lit a fire under them a little bit, make yeah. them rethink but, what they were going to do. But just talking, talking pure hockey, an all Canadian division is yeah. every hockey fan's dream, right? I mean, yeah. This, to see these Canadian teams all because you know there's those natural rivalries and hockey is a way bigger deal north of the border than it is in the United States and big parts of the country in the United States where it's more college football or it's more baseball or it's more basketball but you know in Canada I mean it's hockey you know and this right. is a big deal to them and so now they're in a division together I mean it's going to end up being by accident but there's going to you know. I, I put a tweet out about this earlier today. Um, they, it's going to be by accident and, you know, under certain circumstances, obviously no one planned for this, but the intrigue in this season with an all Canada division, I mean, and you've got some really, really elite teams in this Canada division. Vancouver's yes. on the up and up. We know all about Toronto. Uh, you know, Montreal's probably starting off at the bottom in that division. But, I mean, Winnipeg's a team that you can't really put a peg on, but they could have turned out to be really good this season, really solid. I mean, it's – a you know, Ottawa obviously at the bottom. Edmonton's solid. I, I totally agree with you. And I think part of, part of it's that, you know, with, the, with Canada, the one gripe I've seen from, like, Canadian fans is that with the, with the vision being set up the way it is, the playoffs being set up the way it is, they can't get as many teams theoretically into the playoffs – 
their Canadian teams because they, from a Canadian perspective, they all have their own teams, but they also want to see as many Canadian teams in the playoffs as possible. This lowers those odds because they're all in one division, so they're kind of beating up on each other. But that's been kind of like the one grab I've seen from Canadian fans is, is just that. But you're definitely right. There, a lot of those teams are on the up and up, and even the teams that are sort of, sort of towards the bottom, they can still be competitive in a lot of ways, with especially the Canadians and Senators. And then Edmonton. I mean, Edmonton. I mean, they, eventually they got to take the jump, right? Like Edmonton's got to make that next step and, and go on either to you know a conference final or something. Like they've got to do something here soon, I would imagine. Right. I would agree. So let's swing this to the central guys. Um, since we've started talking about, we first caught wind of this realignment. There aren't. This is the third list of teams that has been released so far that we've heard about. So the first list came out, and you know it caused the buzz. That's the one that had Pittsburgh in it, in in the central, and everybody was excited about getting to face those guys. So then the second one came out, and it took out uh, the Dallas Stars and put in Minnesota. So now our third list is finally out, and now we've got Dallas back. So that gives us Carolina, Columbus, Dallas, Detroit, Chicago, Florida, Tampa Bay, and Nashville. So since they've, we have this list now, and we, and we can kind of gauge what we're looking at. So my question to be, I guess I'll ask you first, Chad, had they not realigned these divisions and we still had St. Louis and Colorado – what do you think the Predators' chances would have been um, going against that division? Well, I mean, I think it's – in the end, it's all a wash. I mean, the road to the to the postseason and hockey is brutal. It's grinding. You can lose to anyone. I know that term is overused in sports. Like, you know, in football they say any given Sunday, all that good stuff. But I think it's true at the most in hockey. Right. And so uh, – in the end, I mean, if you're really going to make me choose, I got to say the division got easier for the Preds because I think that the um, the middle of the division is just – once you take out Tampa and maybe take out Dallas, I think that middle of the division is just really up for grabs. Um, I wouldn't uh, count out – obviously, you got Carolina. You know, if you're mm-hmm. going to ask me a short list right now and I, uh, of how I rank the uh, division just right now, purely unscientific, but just how I see it. You know, obviously I'm going to stick Tampa up there at the top. I'm not going to put Dallas at number two, even though they were the Western Conference champs. I'm actually going to put Carolina at number two. I'm a I'm a huge believer in Carolina and their young talent. They've got some great offensive weapons. I think that that's going to be a tough challenge for the Preds. And then I would stick Dallas at number three just because they are the Western Conference champion champions. And then I'm going to put – the Preds at number four, but I'm going to put them right in that cluster of teams with Columbus and, uh, and with, and with Florida. And I mean, I mean, I just really think, I mean, obviously Detroit's at the bottom. That's easy to say. That's easy to say, you know, Chicago's, you know, we don't know what to think about Chicago because they have a lot of young talent. Um, We keep thinking like, are they done with their rebuild and all this stuff? But, you know, I, I would put Florida, uh, the Preds and Columbus right there in that cluster of teams that, that's going to be battling for that fourth spot behind Dallas, Carolina, and Tampa. That's kind of where I see it. That fourth spot is going to come down maybe to the last game. And so that's why I've always been calling the Preds a fringe playoff team. If they were in the normal Central Division and we were under normal playoff rules with the wild card procedure, my confidence would pro- at this point would probably not be as high in the Preds making the playoffs. 
So I, I 100 percent agree with you, Chad. And I think, especially when you look at the fact that the central team has put it, or the central division as it was, has put it in the most playoff teams out of the Western Conference. You know, that's it's kind of good that we kind of we got where we got in the break. Um, and I mean, realistically, I think the argument's also been made before of like the Preds belong somewhat in the Eastern Conference based on where they are time zone wise and all those other factors. This is kind of a taste of that with us getting at least the, the, you know, the, the Red Wings back and then getting to play the Lightning, getting to play the Carolina Hurricanes, which almost makes sense from a proximity standpoint as a natural rival. But as far as like your rankings go, I think you're, you're dead on uh, with you know, Tampa being number one. I mean, until, until someone knocks them off that, that mountain, that's where they are. Uh, I think Carolina – They've gotten so much better even over the last couple of years since they made their playoff run. And the thing is, they've they've managed to relatively keep that team together. And so that group that was already talented to begin with has built more and more chemistry. In a lot of ways, they remind me of us in 2018, uh, kind of that chemistry that was building and the fact that they've already, they've, they fought to keep that team together as well. The players did, similar to how players for the Preds did. And then I, I would say, you know, Dallas, because, I mean, they were there. They had a good run last year. It's going to be curious to see if they can continue that run uh, in a different environment because this isn't a bubble. You know, obviously, there's still going to be some travel involved, so maybe that'll factor into it. Um, they went through some changes on their roster as well. So, I mean, their goaltending is still pretty good, um, but I'll, I'll give up the map, but uh, I don't put them ahead of Carolina. Um, I think you're dead on as far as Nashville being right in that four spot in that conversation, but Florida is sneaking up on people, and they Florida have, they have some talent. They, they have some good defense. Um, I would say, you know, with uh, beyond Florida, Columbus, Columbus is like the Jacqueline and Hyde. I mean, it's one one year. It's depending on the year. It's depending on the sale. One year they're an Apple Store, and the other, the other year they're a Kmart, and everything must go. Like it's it's either fire sale or top dollar because by the trade deadline they're either buyers or they're sellers, and, and they don't do any uh, way. We were talking earlier about like teams we despise. I actually respect Columbus a lot out east. I respect their fans. I actually went to. I got a funny, quick little story here. Um, so I have this like personal little bucket list, and I'm sure a lot of hockey fans agree with me on this. I have this personal little bucket list where I want to see the Preds play in every away arena at some point. And my, I haven't crossed off a lot of teams yet because this was kind of thought of like four years ago, and I just haven't really gotten to travel for many reasons uh, since then. But I have been to a Columbus game, and uh, – I remember I actually went up there by myself. It was a one night trip thing. I was like, screw it. It was a spontaneous decision I made. So I made the trip, I made the trip up from Nashville to Columbus. Not that bad of a drive at all. Got up to Columbus, uh, stayed right off of uh, Ohio State's campus, actually. And um, so I, I was running behind getting up there. I hit some construction traffic and, uh, you know, like it was one of those things where it's like, man, am I going to even make the game? And I ended up getting there about an hour early, checked into my hotel, and I'm like, "Well, I want to check out the pregame scene, pregame festivities, and I'm gonna pre- I'm gonna kind of like compare them to what I'm used to in Nashville, where it's just a freaking crazy, you know, pregame party, even on a Tuesday night before a Preds game." And I just want to be like, "Let's see if Columbus is the same way." I had no idea if it was or not, so I get up there. Wasn't anything like Lower Broadway, but. Nothing's like Lower Broadway when <laughs> But at the same time, so I find this little like I can't remember the name of the place. Uh, someone can come on Twitter if they're a Blue Jackets fan or they're from Columbus, and they can let me know what the name of this place is. But it was a small little like Irish type pub bar that was right next to next to the arena, Columbus's arena, and uh, it was packed. I mean, it was packed to the gills. I want to say this was 2000. It was after the Stanley Cup season, so I want to say it was 2018. But uh, so I, I'm like, 
decked out in my Pred stuff. I mean, I'm sticking out <laughs> a sore thumb, and I and, and I and I walk into this bar, and it is so packed, and it's all either it's 50 percent guys in business suits drinking martinis, 50 percent Blue Jackets gear, no Preds fans in sight. Trying to, I'm like trying to like weasel my way up to the bar to get a drink, and no one's moving out of the way for me. <laughs> Imagine that. And so I get to the end, and I'm like, I found my little staking spot where I can order a drink, you know, because I'm a bartender, and so I know the game. And I, and I'm like kind of like raising my hand and stuff, and trying to get the bartender's attention. And um, they're kind of like passing me up, and that's fine. I know the game, but uh. This Blue Jackets fan, like, literally, he's so cool. He moves out of the way a little bit and gives me more space to get to closer to the bartender so I can order a drink. I start talking to them. They're like, we thought you were wearing Michigan colors there first with that gold. <laughs> and a lot of people are probably looking at you hard because we're all Buckeyes fans here. You're wearing Preds gear. Uh, you're fine. You're not a threat. Oh. We expect you to beat us tonight anyway because, it, you know, that season we had we still had Stanley Cup hopes. All right. uh, so, you know – kind of going back to the uh, hated fan bases things, Columbus Blue Jackets fans, you guys are on my A-list. You guys are cool. It's fun to have you back in the uh, in the division. I can agree with that. I mean, living in Cincinnati, we're close enough to Columbus that there's a, a good amount of fans here uh, in the area, and they've always been gracious. I think, I mean, because they, they kind of – they almost, like I said, they're, they're going back to that piece about the deadline, the trade deadline. They kind of live and die by that trade deadline of, like, where that team is, and it's either all in or all out. But they're, they, you know, they're passionate, and they – they're not, you know, obnoxious at all. The fans that's in here, I've been to probably about four or five Columbus games in Nashville, and every time I see a Columbus fan in in, in Bridgestone, they're not a problem. They're good. they're nice people. They, they you know they they're gonna celebrate their team like any other fan would, but they're not gonna be obnoxious about it. They're not gonna be jerks. So mm-hmm. I'm glad you had a positive experience up there. Um, I've had positive experiences too, but I definitely agree. They're they're, you know, they're they're good franchise. They're good fan base. Uh, whether or not they're in contention in that four or five spot, uh, that's to be seen. We're gonna, it's gonna be interesting to see. Absolutely. Yeah, no. Heading up to Columbus is on my bucket list too. I definitely like to get up there and see a game. I've only actually it's been, been there. Yeah, really other, than, other than Bridgetown, I've only other been to um, the Capital One Arena. I got to go to a Devils Capitals game with my brother. He lives in he lives in Washington. Um, so it's like you said, nothing like Bridgetown. It's yeah, it was like not even close, but um, yeah, it was it was cool. I just there, I live right in the middle of a like Columbus is to the north, then I got Nashville, and then Carolina. So like, there's like a little circle of like all these places I'd like to go to watch the games. So, yep, awesome. Well, but not so good. if you're gonna come up to Columbus, be careful because uh, going through Cincinnati on I-75. I don't know if you know about that bridge, but that bridge uh, nearly collapsed. Oh, so I do, yeah. I know all about it. Yeah, so, all those trips up, all those trips up to Kings Island. Oh yeah, yeah. You gotta <laughs> give it, give it until March. I mean, it's supposed to be repaired soon, but we'll give it a little bit of time. But yeah, right. That's funny. So uh, yeah, so this whole the new division, I think it's gonna be um, it's gonna generate a lot of new talks. Um, I do think it gives the Preds like new life in a sense of. I mean, we don't want them to in any way to back into the playoffs because they have an easy walk and I don't think we have to worry about that but I do think the division uh, going back to Rich's question um, I do think it slightly got maybe a little easier the path uh, just because you're losing Colorado who I mean Colorado is my Stanley Cup pick and I know a lot of people would uh, have them that's kind of going I know I'm not going out on a limb by 
by picking them necessarily. But the reason why a lot of people are picking them is because they are that good. And they have been building this type of team. For, I mean, I saw the I saw the I knew the Avalanche were coming going into that first round series in 2018 when the Preds did it gave it took everything the Preds had a very stacked and talented Preds team. It took it took them six games and it was a very hard fought six games. Well, I agree with you. I think that the path they have that Western Division it just looks easier on paper than you know the Central. Even the I mean the East looks like pretty brutal when you consider the fact that it's got Boston Bruins, Islanders, yeah. Rangers, Penguins, Caps. Yeah. It's gonna be tough. And and the Western Division, I mean, I'm sure a lot of St. Louis fans are like, really, we're gonna be the sacrificial lamb that gets thrown into the West. You know? <laughs> but uh, I mean, in the end, like I said, you know, you're gonna have to work your your butt off no matter what to win in hockey. So um, this is all just kind of like for the sake of argument. It's fun to talk about, and it kind of gives us something new because we have new division opponents. But in hockey, well, this is why we love hockey is everything is earned. Like you're not going to back your way in. You're not going to like be like, oh, well, we had an easy road. That's why we got in the playoffs. No, it's going to be hard no matter what. And with Seattle kind of enjoying things, it's going to be interesting to see like if this opens up discussion for realignment, you know, permanently, or at least more, you know, uh, concrete realignment down the road, because these divisions are fun. I mean, they, they preserve mm-hmm. rivalries. You lose a couple rivalries here and there, but for the most part, the rivalries are preserved. The Canada division is really enticing uh, to see who comes out of Canada. And that's going to be, you know, this is going to be some good competition, but it's going to be interesting to see after the season, what we learn from this season and what, uh, you know, what the ramifications for that are. So I'm, I'm really excited to see that happen. I think it's good that they're mixing it up too. You know, it's, it's good to inject a little bit of life into it and not see the same teams. And the, I'm really intrigued. Like we talked about earlier of playing the same teams for all 56 games. I just think it's going to, it's going to be a slug fest. Real quick before we, before we do it, Chad brought it up. So who's your Stanley cup for this year? Uh, Who's in the final Colin? I would say, for me, I'm going to go a sneaky pick. I'm going to go Edmonton. I think Edmonton. they're going to. I think they're going to make a run. I think they've got a lot of youth, a lot of energy, and a lot of talent, um, and they can make some moves here. And then I'm probably going to go Colorado Avs. I'm going okay. to those two. So I'm going to so, go. I'm going to go Avalanche Bruins. What about you, you Chad? Well, Avalanche Bruins would be a really dream scenario for the NHL because I think that would draw yeah, really, so. really strong ratings. Um, I actually agree with you on your Easter conference pick uh, or on, yeah, on your East pick. I'm going to go Bruins as well. I think they got all that. They, they made the most improvements out of all the teams I've looked at over the off season. Uh, out yes, west, but out West, I mean, even though the avalanche are the team that everyone wants to pick, um, man, I, I'm, I'm going to go on a limb here and take a chance and take a risk here. Everyone's going to be like, Oh, let's write that down. You know, but I actually think that man, stuff. Well, with the way so with the way the divisions are, are lined out, the Central is considered the Western Conference now, right? Yeah. Well, yeah. for all intents and purposes, yeah. 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 And so it's just weird to say this because they're they're on the East Coast, but I'm really all in on Carolina, man. That's a I solid point. I mean, I know that's taking a chance, but you know. You see these types of things happen in NHL playoffs all the time. 
And I could totally see an up, a huge upset happening this season. I can even see a team who's a perceived Stanley Cup favorite struggle badly in the regular season with this two-game format, this three-game formatting. If you catch the wrong team in the wrong matchup at the wrong time, you could just lose, you could lose three in a row against the same team because it's a bad, you run into a bad matchup problem or you run into a team that's just hot. You know, like the Preds got hot going into March this for the pause, and we thought they were dead in the water. Next thing you know, they do back-to-back shutouts against the Stars, who ended up being the Western Conference champions. Mm-hmm. So imagine, imagine these little three-game formats against the same team. You know, you could you could easily – you're going to see some teams who are really good lose six in a row or five of six because they run into the wrong two teams. Right. I, yep. I agree with you there, and I think Carolina, a young team that's gotten some playoff experience, and so they're going to use that to their advantage. They got that taste in Yeah, and, and at the same time, like, you know, with kind of what you were saying about facing these teams back to back to back, it's also going to make it easier to either catch up or fall behind um, because if you're behind a certain team, you know, three games behind a certain team, you can catch up to them if you just sweep them or at least, you know, get two games on them yep. and continue to play. So it's going to make the chase a lot more fun. I am slotting the Preds, though. I'm slotting them in that four spot. I'm gonna go ahead and uh, call my shot on that. Uh, I think they're gonna they're gonna narrowly sneak in with the four spot, and then of course, when you make the playoffs, anything can happen. I think it's gonna take some time for this team to gel with the new with the newcomers on the roster. We, st- you know, uh, real quick, we're gonna wrap up the episode. Just kind of with, uh, I'm gonna kind of go over real quick, uh, just based on the whole. Taxi squad, uh, Colin, you had some stuff on the taxi squad, right? Uh, a little bit, just a few thoughts, but it wasn't, wasn't too much. Okay, so just kind of like, I mean, what's really interesting about it is uh, teams are going to be able to uh, hold four to six players on this taxi squad, and they're basically going to be players that they can call upon, you know, on this unprecedented season. But, that you know, doing this also has uh, cap implications, too. So yeah. it's, it, it's going to be hard for these teams to maneuver around all this. Uh, well, and, and for Nashville, well, for Nashville, we're in a really good spot because of our cap space. So the good thing is we got a lot of cap room because, you know, I mean, granted, we're still paying tourist money, unfortunately. But <laughs> beyond that, we still have a lot of cap room. So with these uh, taxi teams, basically, you're either giving them the NHL minimum or you're giving them the AHL contracts. So it's nothing, you know, crazy numbers wise in terms of money. But the benefit of it is they're traveling with the team and they can practice with the team. And so, you know, while they may not see, you know, the the experience they might get in the AHL, they'll get some NHL experience in terms of how you prepare for a game, the competition, level of competition you're up against. Uh, it gives players like Tomasino probably better development because he was going to be going down to the OHL anyways. So honestly, I'd rather him have, have him practicing against, you know, NHL caliber competition versus playing against the OHL. Uh, for Connor Ingham, it gives us a chance to see where he's at because we're going to be carrying three goalies. So, uh, you know, with him having a, a fantastic season, being probably one of the best goalies in the AHL last year, we need to see what we what we have in him. Um, we don't know, you know, what's going to happen with Pekka beyond this year. So having him part of that, having some other prospects as part of the taxi team uh, is going to be good for us. I think it's going to lead us to sign. I think, I think regardless of the taxi team, we're going to sign someone here probably before the season gets started. Um, but, you know, th- we might make a few more additions uh, just because we're going to need some other people to kind of be able to be ready to go in the event, you know, God forbid someone gets COVID or there's an outbreak in some some regard. Like, we, we need to have that team ready to go and have those guys ready to go if they need to, if they're called upon. Um, but it's going to be, I think, I think for the benefit of the Predators, with which, you know, has a lot of, for a team that has a lot of question marks like we do, uh, 
it lets us kind of answer that or at least get an idea of it, especially because, you know, sometimes, especially with this kind of schedule, you might, you know, have guys that just need to be scratched and, you know, and just need a night off to, you know, regenerate a little bit um, because this is going to be a brutal season. I mean, it's going to be a, a slugfest uh, between these teams. And so it's going to give some more opportunities for some of these younger guys and some of these prospects to see what we really have in them. Um, and if it's, if it's worth investing in for the future or if we need to, uh, look at a different direction and how we're going to really shape the franchise and shape the roster. Yeah, for sure. Um, you're definitely going to get to see some some prospects this season that maybe you wouldn't normally see. Um, I've been in the camp of saying that under normal conditions, I'm not. Re- I think Tomasino doesn't need to be rushed into into the NHL too soon. But at the same time, if we're going to be having these expanding rosters and you're going to be having these back-to-backs and this condensed schedule, why not uh, put them out there uh, and, and see what happens? Because the talent's undeniable. Um, nothing would surprise me if he were to play in his debut game for the Preds and he scored a goal. I mean, it would be cool to see and Twitter would light up and fans oh, yeah. would be going crazy. <laughs> but it really wouldn't surprise me that much. That's the t- type of talent he has. But uh, we can throw uh, uh, Ren Pitlick in there. I think he's right there. Uh, obviously, Yakov Trenin, who's already played with the Preds uh, a little bit, he's right in line to be getting starting spots. Um, so it's going to be in, obviously Connor Ingram. I, w- I wouldn't bet money that Ingram doesn't get a start this upcoming season in these crazy circumstances. So. We'll just have to wait and see, but it's it's interesting. Uh, I really invite everyone to go follow Puckpedia on Twitter because uh, they really put out an extensive um, layout of all of these complex rules. They're going to be a guest on a future episode coming up in the near future to really dive into all of this stuff. Uh, but getting ready to go into Christmas week here, or we're in Christmas week already, obviously. And so, uh, guys, uh, you got any big uh, holiday plans? No, no. just hanging out at home. <laughs> there you go. World Juniors, right? That's your holiday plan, World Juniors. World Juniors, yeah. One one good news is instead of uh, – I talked to my in-laws, instead of doing uh, turkey and ham, we're going to grill uh, steaks. So, Ooh. yeah. Much steak to win. Much better than a turkey. So, that's what we're doing this year. Uh, for us, I think we actually might be doing the same thing. We might be growing some steaks out uh, and just relaxing. It's just me and my wife. Uh, might see the in-laws. I think they're going to they're going to be going to Georgia, but they're going to come back probably before the New Year. So we're going to see them uh, post Christmas. But other than that, I think we're just going to relax, uh, watch some Christmas movies. We're already kind of starting a little marathon. We watched uh, Office Christmas Party last night, which uh, very underrated comedy. Uh, it didn't do well on Rotten Tomatoes, but it'll get some laughs out of you. <laughs> Um, we've got uh, the night before on deck, and then uh, obviously Christmas vacation and Die Hard. So, uh, other than that, movie marathons and just real that relaxation uh, and just enjoying some quality time with the wife. What about you, Chad? So yeah, I'm just going to be uh, relaxing with uh, some of my closest relatives, my nieces, uh, and my and my mom. And we're going to just going to enjoy that because you know we're always moving fast in this lifestyle, and we're always uh, we get caught up in and work and all the other things we got going on in our lives. So I think, you know, now more than ever with this uh, crazy year we've had, I think it's important to really uh, focus on the people in our lives that are most important to us and to be there for them. Even if we can't be there in person, physically, 
with everything that's going on, at least show that you care about them, show that they matter to you and be there for them because, you know, the holiday season can be really hard for a lot of people, even during a normal year. So with everything going on with COVID and everything else, it's magnified. And so uh, be there for those people. We appreciate, you know, everyone that follows us and reads our stuff. Uh, you all are like family to us and we're a big Preds family. We can't wait for the Preds to return to the ice. Uh, we uh, also, uh, me and the guys, uh, we always invite you guys to, uh, you fans, uh, you guys and gals to send us your uh, questions and your comments. If you want to cover us to cover it on a future episode, we will be more than happy to do so. Uh, this is a new podcast brought to you by the Hockey Podcast Network. And, uh, you know, we're only five episodes in. This was episode five tonight. And we really, uh, you know, I know uh, Rich and Colin agree with me that we love bringing you this uh, these episodes and talking about our favorite hockey team and talking about some other fun stuff and being lighthearted and just having fun, you know. So connect with us on Twitter, uh, at Chad underscore Minton, at Rich underscore How underscore Nine, and at Colin Bluen. We will be more than happy to connect with you on Twitter and talk Preds hockey and just have a lot of fun. Guys, you got anything else before we toss out episode five and we – Head into Christmas. No, yep. happy yeah. holidays, everybody. Yeah, happy holidays, everybody. Be thankful for your family and friends. Uh, yes. Enjoy some quality time with some loved ones. But happy holidays to you guys. I'm glad we can do this together, uh, even if we're separated by distance. It's good to be able to talk some hockey. Oh, and go Preds! Yes, sir. Go Preds! Go Smashville! Go Preds! We got some hockey coming up very soon. We will be getting into some training camp discussion. Training camps open January 3rd. That's what the target date is. So uh, it's going to be here before we know it. Everyone have a happy holidays. Uh, enjoy your families. Enjoy uh, Just enjoy the all the blessings we have. And we will see you in the next episode of the Catfish on Ice podcast, brought to you by the Hockey Podcast Network.